Good morning. It is awesome to see you this morning, to be here, and um, again, we're working through a series uh, of titled Following His Perfect Example. And last week, we talked about following His Perfect Example to a Better Life, and this morning, I want to talk about following His Perfect Example through his perfect forgiveness. Talk about accepting forgiveness. <clears throat> Man, um, I don't know if you know it, but as human beings, which I'm sure you know, we are, we're subject to sin. We, we, we have shortcomings. And this morning I want to talk about some of those shortcomings and, um, and about a Savior who is ready to offer us that perfect forgiveness. When I was writing this sermon, I started thinking about uh, Andy Griffith's show. Because if you can't tie a sermon in Andy Griffith's show, is it really a sermon? No, I'm just kidding. But I remember the one where one, one day Andy went to Barney and said, Hey, what did the preacher preach about today? And Barney said, Sin. Andy said, Good, what did he say about it? And Barney says, Well, he's against it. So... So this morning, this morning I want to focus on forgiveness of that sin. And I'm going to start out by reading Isaiah chapter 59 and the second verse. Rather your iniquities have been barriers between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just come to you to give you thanks, Lord. Thank you for, um, for allowing us to be here, Lord. But most of all, thank you for sending our perfect Savior, Lord. I just pray that as we study this lesson, Lord, that we apply it to our lives and, and our goal is to be more like your son every day. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, sin. Sin. Wow. You didn't know you was going to come here about that today, did you? Man. This one hits home because I sin. I do. You can ask Rhonda. But Christ is always there to offer me this perfect forgiveness. I'm not a perfect man, but through Christ, I have a perfect Savior. And the first thing I really want to do is define sin. I want to define sin, and I'm going to make it really simple, especially when I was a youth director, youth leader. One of the biggest questions I always got to ask is, is such and such a sin? You can fill in the such and such with whatever you want, and you can imagine some of the questions I got that I'm not going to go into this morning. But is this a sin? And my simple answer 
is that if it separates you from God, if it hinders your walk with Christ, if it hinders you being more like Christ every day, you need to get rid of it. Because I want to refer to today as when we become Christians, when we accept Jesus' grace and he offers us that forgiveness, we accept that forgiveness, our sole purpose should be to be more like him every day. And when we fall short, we should ask him for forgiveness and we should receive that forgiveness. But sometimes we get the wrong conception, we get the wrong idea of what sin really is. Sometimes we think of sin being something human where we make somebody mad and we try to make amends. And once it's over, it's over and, um, and we can go on. And you know what? Some of that could be a sin. But sin's a little bit deeper. Sin's a little bit deeper than some circumstance that we may have messed up on. Sin is a heart problem. Sin is a heart problem. Again, when we become Christians, our sole purpose should be more, to be more like Christ. To get rid of the sin and walk towards Jesus every day. And if anything hinders us in that walk, guess what? It's a sin. I don't have to name it. I can name a few that have been in my life, some innocent things that I've let creep into my life that hindered my walk to Christ. Some of them are just normal things that I still do. But anything that we put ahead of our relationship with Jesus and it hinders us from that walk is a sin. One time golf was a sin for me. I, I put a lot of stock in my golf game. And the bad thing about that is I wasn't very good. And I get mad. Getting mad is not a sin. Jesus got mad. But when I let golf be the most important thing in my life, you know what? That's not where golf belongs. It's, it's, it's okay to have activities. It's okay to have things. I played tennis yesterday for the first time in a couple years. Man, I hurt. My legs hurt this morning. My shoulder hurts. I used to be real competitive with tennis. I liked to win, but I lost a whole lot. But again, those simple activities that we love, if they get in the way of a relationship with Christ, can be sin. So you can name anything in your life. We don't have to get into the details and into your closet, but you don't have to look far to see some things that may or may not separate you from sin. And again, I'm not preaching against golf or tennis. I love both. But they can't be the most important thing in my life. If I don't have Jesus Christ as the most important thing in my life, then my family next, then I'm out of balance. I'm out of order. So I want to get rid of the misconceptions of sin. Sin can be anything. Anything that separates us. There's two types of sin the Bible talks about. And one is the sin of commission. And one is the sin of omission. The sin of commission means we've done something wrong. We've done something against God's law. We have committed a sin. We've committed something that goes against what God's teachings are. In 1 John 3, 4 it says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So when we commit sin, we're, we're going against God's law. That is a sin of commission. When we do something to hurt somebody on purpose, or we do something that hurts somebody, we don't offer them forgiveness. That can be sin. Do you understand? Sin can be anything that we're not following his law. But sin can also be, and I think I'm guilty of this as much as I am guilty of sins of commission, it's sins of omissions. There shouldn't be things that we should do in our Christian walk that we don't do. 
me repeat that. Well, there should be things that we're doing with a walk in Christ that we're not doing for some reason. Name a bunch of things that I should be doing that I oftentimes am doing something else. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is a sin. If we know what to do and we don't do it, that's also a sin. It could be as simple as having a disagreement with somebody they apologize to you and you, you don't accept their apology. That, that could be a sin of omission. Yeah, you might say, yeah, it's all good. But in your heart, you know that you're still holding that back. After you've been forgiven, that's not right. You know what? There's a whole lot of hungry people in this world. There's a whole lot of people that need clothing. And we do a good job at this church helping our community. I'm not saying that. But there's so many more people we should be helping. There's so many kids that go to bed hungry. There's so many kids that go to bed not knowing if their parents are coming home. And we're not doing enough for the kids in our community. I promise you. I'm not either. I say we. I'm including me. I am the chief one who's not doing some of the things I should be doing. Those are sins of omission. When we have the opportunity to feed the hungry and we look the other way. When we have the opportunity to help anybody look the other way. Those are sins of omission. Those are sins because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing to gain, uh, to, to get closer to Christ every day. So both of these sins are terrible. Both these sins, type of sins, separate us from our Father. So what's next? Well, one thing is we know what the cost of sin is. We know what the wages of sin is, right? Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And you say, but when I sin, I don't just drop dead right there. But that separation from God, that separation from God, when we sin, before we reconcile, we, we have this gap that can only be filled through his perfect forgiveness. That sin, we can only be reconciled by accepting what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. There's no other way. You see, the nature of God, we have a loving God, but we have a God that is just. And we're not we're not We're not absent of his punishment. The only way that we can fill that gap is through a relationship with Jesus. Even when you look at uh, our lives, when you look at our lives and we are in the middle of that sin, we haven't accepted his perfect forgiveness, that feeling we have, that uneasiness, that thing that we know we're doing something wrong, but we don't know what to do next. Sometimes we're ashamed. Have you ever been ashamed? 
Have you ever done something you were ashamed? You were ashamed to um, perhaps um, go to your parents or go to someone that you may have... I'll tell you, a long time ago, when I was very, very, very young, Rod and I had not been dating long. And um, she had gone, we were at UT and she had gone home and, and I had uh, done uh, something. I was going home that night and uh, my dad, my mom and dad, found out I'd done something. Don't really want to say what I'd done. If y'all don't care, I don't really need to confess that today. I have been reconciled, but I did something. My dad and I did auto body work growing up. He was an automotive painter. Let me just tell you what I had done. His punishment to me was what we were going to do the next morning anyway. We just did it a lot earlier. We got about 7 o'clock. We went to the shop, and, and I ran a DA sander for about four hours. And, and, and what I had done is something you don't want to hear that noise and feel that vibration, okay? Can you imagine? I mean, so you're, 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 and my dad doesn't say anything to me. He doesn't say a word. He points. He points. He says nothing to me. My dad and I were really close. And I'm like, God, like this, I, I need to make this right. I need to make this right. And plus, I need to get this DA sander out of my hand because all I hear was a buzz and a shake. You know, it's just like, so we did it for hours. And my dad never spoke to me. He'd point to the next thing. Sometimes he'd kind of grunt and point. Sometimes he might even throw something towards where I need to be. Okay? So my dad and I are so close. We're almost like best friends. I'm like, man, that's, that's the worst I've ever felt in my life. I'm like, what can I do? So when we finally got finished, when we finally got finished, he looked at me and said, I love you, son. And I said, I'm sorry, Dad. And I'll never forget, Rhonda was coming back that night. My dad took $20 out of his pocket and said, go take that young lady out. He forgave me just like that. I didn't deserve it. But he handed me that $20 and he looked at me and said, you can't do no better than her. You need to go take her out. Don't do something stupid like you did last night. Go take her to dinner, okay? He forgave me. Not because I deserved it. See, our Heavenly Father works the same way. We don't deserve his forgiveness. There's nothing that we can do to earn his forgiveness. But he gives it to us anyway. That's the beauty of it. And even Aaron and Moses were subject to sin. When they struck the rock, instead of speaking to it, God told them in Numbers twenty twelve, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. So they didn't, they didn't get to live to go to the Holy Land. Sin is bad. We need to get sin out of our lives. If you say the preacher said this morning, sin is bad. Okay, let's go home. But again, when we become Christians, when we are Christians, 
there's such a heart change, and it doesn't mean we don't sin, but we feel that we feel that need for reconciliation when we do because we're not walking the walk that we should be walking. You see, we serve a holy God, and sin is terrible. And let me just tell you, too, I've defined this word a few times, but I want to tell you who all have sinned in here. Not calling any names or sins, though, I promise. But Romans 3.23 tells us, it gives us that number. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word all is a huge word because it means, again, I've looked it up before, all, when you look it up, it means all. It means everybody. It means every one of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But you see, we serve a God that loves us so much. That loves us so much that he offers us that forgiveness through his son. Even though we're guilty, he shows us that mercy. James 2.10 tells us that we can keep the whole wall, but if we stumble on one point, we're guilty of all. We are guilty of all. You see, God has given us a plan to reconcile us. You see, Jesus is the way to forgiveness. He is that perfect plan. He is the way to perfect forgiveness. You see, God did this by providing a big word that says propitiation for our sin. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, the word propitiation originally meant a sacrifice, an act of sacrifice. Uh, it was designed to appease God. See, the Bible used here because the Bible uses the word here because it tells us that God sent Jesus to be our sacrifice. You see, it's what God has done for us. It's not what any man or what we can do for ourselves. It's what the Father has done, which is to send his only son. To live a perfect life. To live a perfect life because we can't. And when we put our faith in him, we receive that perfect forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah writes this about 700 years before Christ comes to earth. The lamb that was sent is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You notice that it does not say the riches of our grace. 
It doesn't say because of what we do. It's because of his blood. The blood that was shed on the cross is why while we're able to come into reconciliation with the Father. You see, it's his love. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's not ours. You see, Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to be forgiven. He's the way for us to be reconciled with the Father. See, Jesus is the way that we're forgiven. Mark 16, 15 and 16 tells us what we should do next. Again, last week I talked about following his example for a better life. Maybe this should have been the first sermon in this series. I, I don't know. Sometimes I get things mixed up. But where do you start? We all want a better life. We want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ so we can follow him and have a better life. But to, in order to do that, we have to accept his forgiveness. We have to accept that forgiveness. And once we do, there should be a transformation. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Once we receive that forgiveness, we become Christians, our whole heart should be changed. From that point on, instead of serving ourselves, we should be serving God. We should be serving each other. Because that's what he calls us to do. And we don't keep this good news to ourselves. We don't keep this good news to ourselves when we realize that we have this better life and we've been we're in part of his perfect forgiveness. We've received that into our lives. Our hearts should be changed and we should be wanting to tell other people. Again, Mark sixteen, fifteen and sixteen says, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who not, does not believe will be condemned. Our job now is to tell other people about this loving relationship, about his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Sometimes we get so caught up in sin, we have so much guilt in our heart, we're afraid to go. We're afraid to admit what we've done. Because we think, how can anybody forgive us? Much less God, how can God forgive me? He knows what I've done. But he's waiting like this. His arms are open right now. He's ready to receive you. That's why he sent Jesus. Acts 2.38 Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, once we're forgiven, once we're forgiven, once we're forgiven, then we have another friend that stays with us forever. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit. That's where we get our strength. That's where when we're too tired to do the things that we should be doing, that we do them anyway. It's because we're relying on His power, not ours. We're relying on his power, not ours. There's things that we can do. And we think, oh, we're too weak. 
We're too powerless. That's the way we're thinking. We're right. In our human being bodies, if we're relying on our power, we are. But we're relying on Christ and we're relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us. Then we can do some amazing things together. Again, Jesus is the way to forgiveness. And when we receive that forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We should be looking at things differently. We should be looking at things differently. Again, I'll even say that, you know, sin can be a particular action. It can be not doing a particular action, but in my opinion... And what I've studied and what I really and truly believe, that sin becomes a way of life. If we haven't received that forgiveness and we ha- our hearts have not been transformed, we don't change that way of life. We still do the things that we used to do. But when we receive Christ's forgiveness and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we have that but now experience that I've told you about. We were sinners, but now we are forgiven. We were weak, but now we're strong because we had the Holy Spirit within us. We were condemned, but now we're forgiven because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. We are forgiven people. Have you accepted the forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ? Have you accepted that forgiveness that's available? Are we walking those lives? Or are you walking your life to be closer and closer and more like Him every day? Again, John 3.30 says that there should be less of us and more of Him. We should become smaller. He should become greater. Again, I've explained it. Less of space, more of grace. If you rely on Stace, you're going to be disappointed. But if you rely on his grace and his love, you'll never be disappointed. Have you accepted that grace? Have you accepted that forgiveness of sins that's only available through him? John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you haven't accepted his forgiveness, if you haven't felt his grace, his mercy, and his love, man, today's a wonderful opportunity to do so. Or maybe uh, you are a Christian, but we sometimes stray away. He doesn't leave us, like we sing that song. He does not leave us wondering. He comes looking for us. He's looking for you now. And he's ready to receive you with his open arms. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, allowing me this opportunity, Lord. Just thank you for... uh, all that you do in our lives, Lord, but most of all, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, for, thank you for his perfect life, Lord. And thank you for allowing us, through Jesus, to have a relationship with you. I just pray for each, for each person listening online, Lord, if they don't have that relationship with you, Lord, that they, uh, they come to that realization that they can't do it on their own. I, I pray they do that this morning, Lord, and they receive you as their Lord and Savior. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.